Good morning, friends. Welcome to Emerge Church this morning. We're so glad you're here. We're so glad you love each other so much and are mingling. And that I have to use my commanding voice. I've been practicing it. <laughs> Not very good at it, but I'm trying. 
We're so glad you're here this morning. Um, we're just going to join together in worship, so let's just say a prayer, and we'll just jump right into it. So God, thank you this morning. God, we just thank you for the opportunity to gather here, God. I know that we thank you for that every week, Lord, but I just don't ever want us to take it for granted, Lord, because the time might come when we're not able to, and we just thank you so much for our freedom here. And um, I just pray you be with us this morning, God, and that you would fill every heart with your spirit and that your, your spirit and your power and your love would just rest on everyone here and that they would not leave this place not feeling a touch from you, God. And we just love you, and I just pray you would be in this this morning. I pray our worship would be pleasing to you, Father, and that it would never be about us, but it would always be about you, Father. So we just love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Surely children were made for the streets And fathers were not made to leave Surely this is in how it should be Let your kingdom come Surely nations were not made for war all the broken men to be ignored Surely this just can't be what you saw Let your kingdom come Here in my heart Let's sing this together I will live To carry your compassion To love a world that's broken to be your hands and feet And I will give With the life that I've been given To go beyond religion To see the world be changed By the power of your name Surely life wasn't made to regret and the lost were not made to forget Surely faith without action is dead Let your kingdom come Lord, break this heart And I will live To carry your compassion To love a world that's broken to be your hands and feet And I will give With the life that I've been given To go beyond religion To see the world be changed By the power of your name The power of your name Jesus, your name is a shelter for the hurting. Jesus, your name is a refuge for the weak. Only your name can redeem the undeserving. Jesus, your name holds everything I need. I will live to carry your compassion To love a world that's broken To be your hands and feet And I will give with the life that I've been given Go beyond religion To see the world be changed And I will live Carry your compassion To love a world that's broken To be your hands and feet And I will give With the life that I've been given To go beyond religion To see the world be changed By the power of your name Power of your name. 
Father God, we just thank you, Lord. I love that song. And I pray that you would make that the cry of every heart here, Father, that we would go be your hands and feet, God, and that we would go and love this world that needs to be changed, God, and just go beyond it being our religion, Father, to it being what's in our hearts. And I pray we would carry that with us and that we would share, God, your name with everyone we meet. And I just pray to remember, Lord, as we've prayed so many times, that there is so much power in your name, Father. At the sound of your name, everything changes. And we just love you, God. Thank you for that. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? All the world can come to Him and have their sins removed. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? And isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? And isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Son of God and one of us, the lover of our souls, isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Eternal King, you reign forever, and we'll sing the glory of your
Isn't the name of Jesus so we need? He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus so we need? He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Isn't the name of Jesus so we need? Let's sing, there's freedom. Cause there is freedom in the name. Healing in the name. There is power in the name. Salvation in the name. There is life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. Pray that we would know that and we would share that with the world, Father. Lord, no matter where they are, no matter what's going on, you are the answer, Father, and you are what they need, God. Everybody's seeking something, Lord, and they so many people don't know what it is, so we go after the wrong things, Father, thinking they'll fill us up, but they never do, Lord. You're the only thing that will ever work, and so we pray, God, to just illuminate that. Father, we just pray to shine a light on you. We just love you so much, Father. Lost or saved, find their way at the sound of your great name. All condemned. Feel no shame at the sound of your great name. Every fear has no place at the sound of your great name. The enemy, he has to the sound of your great name, Jesus, worthy is the Lamb that was slain for us, Son of God and man, you are I lifted up, and all Find their rest at the time 
it up and all the world will praise Jesus what is the lamb that was slain for us son of God and man you are high it up and all the world will praise your great we've forgotten the power of your name, Lord, that you would show us. I pray you would make it obvious to us, Lord. And we believe your will in your name, Father. Anything is possible for you. We just pray, God, for our world right now. It's so broken, God, and we, we know that you're the one to heal it. And we just pray, Father, that you would. We pray in the name of Jesus, God, that you would just pick up these pieces and put them back together, God, or make them brand new, Lord. Fix what's broken, God, and I pray that we would know our part in that, that you would put that in our hearts, God, and that we would just go out and shine you to this world. We just pray that you would be with us this morning and that you would open our ears and our hearts, Father, and that we would leave change. We pray that you would change hearts, God. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to pass around the uh, kids' activity kits. I think Miss Liz is going to do that. Thanks for being here, everybody, this morning. I'm going to get myself ready here. Happy Sunday, everybody! Woo! Come on, anybody in here? Nope. It's all right. I'll just talk to myself all morning. It is Halloween. Happy Halloween. No. It is a uh, great day to be here today. Today is the last day for us to be here at Geist Montessori Academy. Yay! Got a few people cheering us. Oh, Geist Montessori? Did I see Geist Montessori? Oh, man. Last day at Daniel's Vineyard. We're going to Geist Montessori, guys. I'm, uh, I need more coffee. Yay, yay. We'll just keep talking. You guys are pretty sleepy this morning. So it's been a great year here. I can tell you that. It has been a, an amazing blessing, and we're so grateful for Daniel's Vineyard opening the doors here to allow us to come in here to, uh, as a new church start, a new church plant, for them to open up the doors and say yes, for them not knowing me. I mean, that's, that's an amazing thing. Um, for them to do what they've done. So, so grateful for them, for the ability to meet here, the beauty of this vineyard, the beauty of the facility, um, and just the beauty of their hearts and their generosity uh, in the midst of it. And it has just been a great fit for us as well as for them, but we're making the move. So next weekend, we're going to be over at Geist Montessori Academy right that way. It is literally two minutes down the road uh, at the most from walking to your car and driving around the corner. So uh, we're going to be there starting next week uh, at 10 a.m. And I'm excited to be in there. We're going to, we just cleaned off a bunch of chairs that we bought for this school. Uh, there's about 15 or so of us that were out there cleaning off the chairs, getting them spruced up. I'm uh, going to drop them off later today and so that they're ready for us next week 
And uh, those chairs are going to be a blessing to the school because right now they didn't have the funds to be able to buy chairs and they didn't have chairs in the school. Uh, for whenever they did parents' functions, they had to spend extra money, rent chairs, bring them in. Or they did the, hey, will you guys bring your camp chairs in? Um, they did that a few times. That didn't work too well because most people didn't bring them. Um, so this is an ability for them to use these chairs as well as us. And uh, I'm just excited about the opportunity to make this move, go over there, um, and really just see what God's going to do next through this and through all that. And with that, I just want to ask, and I think it will be on the slide next. Um, maybe it's not. I think I just have the guy's mouth. Sorry. After that, we got um, volunteers, guys. I need, we need some volunteers for the kids' areas specifically. Um, but really, every team, from social media down to worship to set up and take down, uh, would love to have a few more people jump on the team. There's consistently about 12 to 14 that are serving each and every week and would love to get more people into the mix with us. And it's not a commitment of every single week by any means, but if you would like to, if you would like to be a part of it, you can um, text the word volunteer to our text number. And it'll give you a list of ideas and then ways to connect with us or anyone that's wearing a ask me or can I help tag. I can't remember what it says on it. Um, you can ask them about how you can get plugged in, how you can serve. Um, so there's multiple ways. If you're new here, um, first time, there's a slide there. If you just highlight over there, um, we're on the gathering guide. It's all right. If you want to get the gathering guide, and go ahead and get the QR code. That's how you get the sermon notes. Uh, you can type volunteer, events. You can see all those different listed items there. That's just a way to get information back and forth, just quick and easy. want to make sure you have that opportunity to see those in different ways. If you didn't see the note that went out, we did change to Tithely. So if you're giving via Donate, we'd like for you to close that account, move over to Tithely. Um, and there should be a slide next on Tithely. Um, up here in the grand scheme of it. There you go. If you highlight that link, it'll take you right to the website. It's also in the gathering guide for you um, to be able to go out to Tithely and to set it up. They take ACH as well as credit cards, and then you can also continue to give with checks and cash and however you want. But just wanted to make sure everybody knew we're making that change because we were having some issues with Donate and their processing aspect. Um, and so we just made the change. I don't think there's, oh, there's one more thing. Daddy-daughter dance. Daddy-daughter dance. We have 30 right now, or 32 right now, dads that are signed up, and then their daughters. So it's roughly 70, 72 in total that are going to be here for the daddy-daughter dance, which is this Friday. Uh, it's going to be so much fun. Can't wait for it. Um, we're going to have a photo booth outside, uh, so you can take some memories home with your, your daughters, and there's going to be some food and fun recommend you eat before you get here, but there's going to be some, I think, chicken nuggets and a popcorn. Ladies, you have to help me with the word. Charcuterie? Charcuterie. I can't say it. That word. Um, yes, a grown-up version of Lunchables, but for kids with popcorn and candy. Um, and so it's going to be a, a fun thing, just a, a fun night for the girls and dads to connect and uh, just... Hope that you guys are able to join us. So let's get on with it. I'll finish up. Is there one more slide, Cole, of announcements? Men's groups, small groups. So women's are on the 13th. The men's are on the 20th. Um, you can see the information in there. And is there one more, Cole? Nope, that's it. All right. Let's get into it. Gathering guide, you can scan the code up there beside it. It'll take you to the, the gathering guide with the sermon notes, the scripture that we're going to go through. Uh, last week we kicked off the book of Revelation, and that's where we are now. Um, Robert did a fantastic job. I don't know if you guys were taking notes like I was, but I was sitting up there writing down a lot of things. I loved how he really compared the Trinity to the Son and kind of giving a good visual of that, and also just telling us how we can easily get off track. And that was kind of a cool way how he's saying different things, and he got us to say the wrong, and just how quickly our minds can run down the wrong path and take us down the wrong track. And so it was great to see, uh, have Robert up here to handle that. And this week we're going into uh, Revelation 2 through 3, so it's the letters to the church. And that's what we're going to be looking at, are the letters to the church. We'll give you the overview of the first six. We're going to focus in on the, the seventh one. 
which is really more of a letter towards us. Uh, the Church of Laodicea is the letter that we're going to read, which will be Revelation 3, 14 through 22, is what we're going to read. And, you know, Revelation is just a big book. There's lots of details, lots of stuff in it, and it's taken theologians, scholars, everyone, lots of time to kind of figure out everything that's in this book and to try to make some sense out of some of these things um, and cross-referencing scriptures and going back and forth. And it's just a, uh, it's such an intriguing book. And so I want you to take time this week. If you have time, just read Revelation 2 through 3. Read these letters. I'm going to give you the overline uh, of each of these letters because each of these letters were addressed to different churches, and it's actually addressed to an angel in some of the versions. It says to the angel, which would, in essence, they were just saying the pastor or the location of that church. Um, and they're kind of uncertain as to why they kept saying, calling them angel at the beginning of them. But that's what they were doing. And each of these letters are different aspects. That John's, uh, from John's vision of Christ, is utilized in some variations. Uh, so John's just shown us who Christ is and his reference and what he's doing and giving an idea. You know, he, he references him as he who holds the stars or he who walks among the candlesticks. He's emph emphasizing really Christ's intimate character in the middle of it. So each of these letters, when you read them, they show you a structure of telling you who God is. And I'm going to show you each one of these and kind of the top line of them, showing praises of what they've done as the people, as the church. And then it's going to bring in a rebuke, so in a correction. He's saying, I, you've done these things great, but here's where you need to make it an about face. Here's where you need to change. Here's where you need to go forward. And then also an exhortation. So an exhortation is like a strong encouragement of saying, hey, go this way. I need you to do this. And then also he gives a promise in each and every one of these. So let's look at these. I'm going to look at the slide because I didn't put these in my notes and just give you the, a few of them here. So if you go to the first letter. So letter to Ephesus is the first one out of the, the seven letters. You can see, I can give you these later if you want them, but this is, this is the basis and kind of the overview, the cliff notes per se, of each of these letters. So the first one, letter to Ephesus, it says who God is. So they're just telling everyone, hey, he holds the stars, the seven stars in his right hand, and he walks among them. So he's telling about the grandeur of God and, and, and saying who he is in the middle of it. He's giving this church praises, where their deeds, their hard work, their perseverance, how they're continuing to fight the good fight and cruising on. They're enduring all the hardships that were going on in and around the world. Next, you've got the rebuke. They have forsaken their first love. That's a big rebuke, right? Like forsaken their first love of Christ is what they're pointing back to. Gave them an encouragement. Remember, repent, go do the things that you first did, and then your promise, their promise. You do all this, your promise is you're going to eat from the fruit. Cole, the next one, please. Letter to Smyrna. So this, the top lines you're here, who God is, the first and the last, who died. It started at the beginning, if you look through the letter. You can read through these letters later as well. Gives praises that they were suffering through persecution, poverty. They didn't rebuke them. They did not rebuke this church, which was interesting to see. Um, encouragement, do not be afraid, be faithful even to the point of death, and then you're going to receive the crown. That's the promise. You're going to receive the crown of glory. The next one, please. Letter to Pergamum, who God is, the sharp double-edged sword. So you just keep seeing visions and pictures of who God is, and they're laying throughout. And for us to be able to see uh, different attributes of them, the praises, how he's encouraging them where they were. They remain true to Christ. They've been doing that. They did not renounce their faith. Um, and just huge things. Their rebuke, their correction, what they need to change. People had their hold on the teachings of Balaam. So they're, they're, being drifting, they're drifting away from Christ. They're going to the ways of the world, being sucked in. Uh, encouragement was a repent and then a promise. Receive the hidden manna. You can go to the next one. I think that's the last one, isn't it? Letter to Thyatira. So the Son of God is, uh, who God is, he's the Son of God whose eyes are like blazing fire. I always love that one. And burnished brass. Just a great vision of who he is. Praises of the deeds, their love, the faith, service, perseverance. Doing, I said doing more, doing more. I had a little mistype. Uh, a rebuke, they tolerate Jezebel. You can go on down through and go on to the next one. 
Sardis holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, so tying back into, again, same theme, overview. What I really like to look at is when I was going down through the praises and the promises, like seeing where he's encouraging each of these churches, how they've continued on. I can give you these guys, these later if you want. Go to the next one. Letter to Philadelphia. So this is uh, almost the last one. This is number six, right? Yeah. Um, so who God is, he's holy and true. He holds the key of David. Just different ways to look and remember who God is. The praises, they are, the deeds that they're doing. You, know, you always want to be encouraged. You want to know what you're doing right. You want to have that behind you and, and carrying you forward. Another interesting one, not, they didn't have a rebuke here in this letter. Uh, encouragement to hold on to what you have and then your promise is going forward. And I think that is it, if I counted right in my head. So these letters to the seven churches are remarkably complete. It's just a remarkable complete, a, a, a testament, a story, a way to really kind of teach where the church was and where the church is now. Each one are letters that stand firm and stand on top of time for us to pull stuff out of. And each one of these, it's, it's kind of interesting. If you go down through it, I wrote down these, these things here. It goes, the recurring dangers of losing their first love. So these are different ideas and different things that kind of transcend time. And this is, these are what they are. It's the recurring dangers of losing their first love. So we can always, we can drift away from God if we're not careful. Uh, being afraid of suffering. Losing sight and direction towards how God is calling us and leading us. There can be moral departures, spiritual deadness, not holding fast, and lukewarmness. These are all just as prevalent then as they are today in and through our lives and in the churches and all around us. Because these letters come from Christ personally, they, they take on significance in our lives for words for us to adhere to, to look at. So let's go ahead and open up to Revelation three fourteen through 22. Let me pray before we get started here. Father, thank you for um, your words. Thank you for this book. Thank you for this opportunity to open up your scripture, to read it. Father, every time we open it, there's something that you have for each, one, each and every one of us. Maybe it's a rightness, a, a correction. Maybe it's an encouragement. Maybe it's a promise that we all need to be reminded of. And so, God, we just uh, say thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. And uh, we just give this all to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22 is what I'm going to read. And this is to the church in Laodicea. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, or Amen, depending on who wants to say it. The faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So you can become rich and white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. We're going to come back to those, but each of those is really directed to Laodicea based on their livelihood, what's happening. And I'll, I'll talk more about those because it, when you read it, it's kind of like, why are you talking about salve for your eyes so you can see? Um, verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So this next slide kind of gives you the overview of these, like I shared with the others. But this is um, what I saw, and really 
kind of gives you the framework of it. If you want to take a picture, you can. If you want to re- reference it later. So it tells you who God is at the beginning, the amen, the faithful, the true witness. I love that, the ruler of God's creation. But what I really hit me hard was there's no praises in the midst of this letter. No praises to the church. No praises to the people uh, that he's directing it at. He's rebuking them. That's basically where he's going, rebuking. Lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And then he gives the encouragement. So the encouragement is where he's going for, is buy from Christ, Christ the refined gold, white clothes, the eye salve. We'll go back to those. Be earnest and repent. And then finally the promise, overcomers will eat with Christ, which is awesome. So this is a, a Laodicea is where this letter is, just to give you a little overview of the location, which is like point number one, I think. Um, but the wealth, wealthy city of Laodicea is where we are right now. It's about 40 miles from Colossae or from Philadelphia uh, in, in the middle there. It's 35 years, um, 35 years before this letter was written, the entire city was wiped out by an earthquake, they lost everything, but they had the wealth to be able to rebuild. And so they had this kind of inherent of, I got this, I've got the money, I can do it on my own. So they rebuilt everything. Their main industry was clothing, uh, mainly made from wool, because that was what was prominent back then. So they were known for a city of wool, and they were selling wool. And that's why you, you see some of these linens um, references back and forth. And so it was very prominent within their society, within what they were doing. This wool, it was the center of their income, who they were, their identity was wrapped in it. It's how they made their wealth. It was their currency and how they were known within the world. They'd even use their wealth to go ahead and dye that white wool to black at times and dye it into different colors. And one thing that I found was interesting that there's no record that Paul, so when Paul's writing letters to churches and he was going around and going to different places and spreading the gospel, he never ended up coming to here. He never came and visited the city of Laodicea. What he did was he, he brought it up in his writings in Colossians, talking about how he was concerned about where they were, but he never made the trip to see him. So as this church, as this letter to the church of Laodicea is opened up, it shows that in addressing the church, Christ introduces himself as the amen, the faithful one, the true witness. The word amen is, it just means so be it, or being in agreement. And it refers to the sovereignty of God, which is behind these human events. And so it's just saying that God is in the center of it, he is over it, and he is the one. And speaking of himself as a faithful and true witness, Christ was repeating what he had said earlier when you look back into verses 1 um, in Revelation 1, 5, or even go back to Revelation 3, 7. He was referring back to those areas. As the ruler of God's creation, Christ existed before God's creation. And so that's he's pulling all those out. So next thing he gives is the rebuke, which is number two, the rebuke. You can find the rebuke within verses 15 to 17 if you want to look in your Bible. And as I showed you on the picture, there's no area of praises that God gave him. He just went right back to a rebuke. And that just kind of hurts, right? Just to have that rebuke. They were pictured as being abhorrent because they, they, they were not coming close to Christ. They were very lukewarm. They had no desire. They didn't want to be there. This letter was addressed to, they believe, Archippus, who was over the church at that time. They, when the letter was written, they believed that he was, he'd passed away. But it, Archippus was the one that had set up the congregation. He had lifted up the church. He had raised him up, and he was part of it. And so this letter was believed to be written to Archippus. And so as him being the, kind of the recipient of it is another way of saying, man, you, you drifted away. You drifted away from your first love, and you're, you're causing others to drift away and their feasts, and driving away, and they're in lukewarmness. You know, when I was reading through this lukewarmness, um, I even talked about this the other day with somebody, lukewarmness reminds me of coffee, and how much I don't like lukewarm coffee. I love it hot, I love it cold, but once it gets to be lukewarm, I can't do it. And when I was reading down through this letter, as 
Christ was talking about the lukewarmness of the believers and how that they had just drifted from their first love, how they were just sitting out and simmering and, and just dropping down low. It just made me think about my coffee pot. Like, I'll make a full pot of coffee early in the morning. I'll let it sit there, have two or three cups probably. And by the time I get into my second, third cup, I'll hear the alarm beep. That means my warming plate is going off. I know I have like three or four minutes before it gets really kind of starts, the temperature starts dropping. And it's because I've let that time go away. I, the, I didn't have the boilerplate. I didn't keep it warm. So then I can just take it and I throw it in the microwave or I throw ice on it to keep it nice and cold. Um, but I can't do lukewarmness. I don't know about you guys, but I, like, I can't do lukewarm food either. I have a hard time doing lukewarm food. Lukewarm food, lukewarm coffee, whatever it is, I want it either hot or cold, depending on what it is. And it's one of those things that I just it kept seeing in this letter, how it's calling us to not be lukewarm believers. We need to look at our spiritual temperature. We need to think about where we are in our journey with Christ. Where are we in our relationship? Where are we? Are we lukewarm? Are we hot? Are we cold? Do we know him? Do we not? You could look at yourself on a sliding scale, but that's a pretty slippery slope. You know, maybe you're cold or even on ice. Maybe you don't know who Christ is. Maybe you had that love and maybe you dropped away. Maybe you never had a relationship. Maybe you don't know who he is. We'd love to tell you more about him. Come see any of us with a tag. Come talk to us. Reach out to me. I'd love to tell you more about Jesus what he's done in my life, how he's our saving king, how he's raised three days later after he died for us. It's an awesome story, an awesome thing, how he has given his life for each and every one of us. You know, maybe you're on the opposite side of the spectrum. Maybe you're on fire for Jesus. Maybe you are just lighting up the world. You're reading scripture every day. You're praying. You're a... Robert, I don't think Robert's in here anymore, but woo, I'm on fire for Jesus today. He says that all the time, and he gets me excited about it. And, you know, it's like, yes, we need to have that excitement. We need to have that relationship with Christ. We don't need to be laying back and sitting back. We need to be investing into it. You know, being on fire for Christ looks different for every single person, right? Not all of us are all happy-go-getters and running all over, but there's different aspects that you can look at. If you look at the verse, Galatians 5, 22 through 23, you'll see on the screen behind me. Um, but that gives, it shows you the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if our kids are probably, if they were listening, they would sing that song. It's a, a beautiful thing for us to shoot towards, when we have Christ in the center of everything that we do, when we're not sitting back, when we're reaching out, when we're growing in our relationship, you're going to see those, the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and all throughout us. You know, the other side is being lukewarm and being a lukewarm Christian, and that's not a way to go. So going back to what we read here in Revelation 3, it's this time in history that is written. During this time, it was written where they're just being rebuked. They're being rebuked for where they are right now. And this rebuke of lukewarm ties back into Hierapolis. So the city of Laodicea would receive its water from the city of Hierapolis. And the water would be cold from where it started, but then it would travel down through, the, through to the city. And by the time it reached them, it was, in, it was lukewarm. And so that's why God was using this lukewarm um, saying, because no one wanted to have that lukewarm water. They wanted either hot or cold. And so it was just tying back to something else that was um, just prevalent and evident, because that, the water would travel about uh, two or three miles from the north, and by the time the water reached it, it was lukewarm. And so that was, I just love how these letters are addressed in specific ways. And then just Christ is just using these words, of just telling them where they're standing how, and describing them that they're wretched and pitiful and poor and blind. It's crazy. Now, this, um, I saw this scripture or this uh, quote here that you'll see on the screen behind me. And this is one of those things when I was thinking about 
being lukewarm or and how we're going through in our spiritual walk. This is from Norval Hayes, and it says, It's hard for God to walk with a man who gets his mind made up to do things in his own way. So it's hard for God to walk with a man who gets in his mind, or gets his mind made up to do things in his own way. You know, that quote is it's spot on, isn't it? It's us needing to get out of the way and letting God lead our way. Let him lead us. We are in a community, we are in a world, the culture, where we want it now, we want it our way, it's our way or the highway, but we need to get over ourselves and out of ourselves and let Christ lead the way. You see, people are walking away. They're walking away from Christianity. They're walking away from God. And we just need to do things better. It's not a one-time prayer for us. It's not a one-time I read the Bible. It's not a one-time of anything. It's a lifetime. It's a journey. It's a spiritual walk with God. It's walking in and through each and every day, coming closer to Him. It's a lifetime of opening His Word and learning something new each and every time. It is so exciting when I open up each and every morning. Like this morning, I opened up from the Bible recap when I was reading it, how it was tying back exactly what we're reading about today, where it was in uh, Mark 10, where he's talking about to the rich young, or rich person, I don't know if it's young, I can't remember, but talking to the rich person, saying, I've done all this, I'm following you, I'm trusting you, and he said, go and sell everything and come back. Well, I don't want to sell and give it to the poor, is what he said, and so is it like, this, it's one of those things like you don't have to sell. He wasn't telling him to sell at all. He was telling him to come alongside of him and, and go and be in joy and give where it's needed. And don't lock everything into your worldly beings. You see, guys, once we give our lives to Christ, it's not a once and done. It's not an achieve. It's not here. We need to be opening up his word. We need to be going in prayer, sharing the good news, discipling someone. I've said that many times over the weeks. And, you know, it's just a journey. And you go through seasons. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but there are different seasons in the spiritual walks. And you can go from the springtime where everything's new, it's vibrant. You can see God working and moving. You can see new life. You can, you're excited. You're opening up the Word. You're, you're into it. And then you can go into summer, which is summer is a continuation of growth, but it's more of a flat line because everything's starting to kind of come to an end. Then you hit the fall. And the fall can be where things are starting to die. Things are starting to fall off at the end. And then you also have this winter season, which is like the doldrums, the silence, where you feel like God's not listening to you. In our spiritual journey, we're going to have those seasons. Sometimes you go through them faster than others. Sometimes you're going to sit back and look and be like, oh, that's where I was in my walk. That's why I was having those times. See, you're going to have highs and lows in the midst of your spiritual walks, and, and, and it's always there, and it's always going to be there. You see, we live in a very affluent area, right? We're in the top percentage of the wealth in the entire world. If you look at those numbers, we're in the top percentage. And we can so often let our wealth, our income, to impact who we are and what we're doing. So let's not do that. Let's not be like the church of Laodicea and just worry about our wealth and become lukewarm. Um, number three, encouragement. So you see here that they were urged to buy not ordinary gold, but to buy the refined gold, referring to that which would glorify God and make them truly rich. You see the banking industry and what they were doing, they were, they were depending on the worldly stuff and not depending on God. And that's what why he was calling out that they needed to buy that refined gold. Though they had beautiful clothes, they were urged to wear white clothes. And that was symbolic and, symbolic and symbolical of righteousness, which would cover their spiritual nakedness. You see, and then Christ encouraged them to put that salve on their eyes. And, and what was happening here is there's a metal school that was located in Laodicea, and they offered special salve to heal common eye industry. Eye common eye troubles. So that salve that they gave was, and that they were known for was to solve the common eye troubles. 
that were known throughout the Middle East. And so that's why he listed out the wool. That's why he listed out the eyes. Because they were, he was pulling back into letting them know that, hey, I am with you. I see what's going on. And this is where you need to head. And so this medicine, what he was talking about, it was not the medicine, but his spiritual sight. For them to have his eyes. To be able to open up their eyes to see what was going on through the, and look through the lens of his eyes in this world. The church of Laodicea is typical to really any modern church. We can all be unconscious of our own spiritual needs. And we can be content with beautiful buildings. We can be content with our jobs. We can be content with where we are and all these material things that money can buy. But really, we need to be investing into what he is refining for each and every one of us. You see, Christ rebuked them because he loved them. And he's wanting them to open their eyes, and he's wanting us to see and open our eyes as well. Last is the promise. Number four, um, dramatically, Christ, he pictured himself as standing outside and knocking on the door. With Christ on the outside, there can be no one no fellowship. There's no fellowship, no genuine fellowship. With Christ on the inside, there's this wonderful fellowship. There's sharing of the marvelous grace of God. This was an appeal to the Christians rather than to the non-Christians when he was saying this. And it raises just this important question concerning our fellowship with Christ and where we're sitting. In verse 22, you see the invitation uh, to listen and respond is given. It says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Jesus continually knocks, but only we can open, right? Opening can be scary. And this is why Jesus says, If you hear my voice, open the door. We may hear the call or the knock of love, but it's powerless unless we open it. To open to love is to jeopardize our entire selves. It's much more comfortable to stay safe behind closed doors with all the wealth and toss some pennies out the door and say, here you go. But to open our love, it's, it's going to endanger us. It put us in, in different looks and different views and help us to really kind of get out of the world's false values and truly see his perspective. He's calling to us, calling us towards renewal. And this is time for all of us to renew where we are, to come closer to him, to trust more. You know, if we open the door, we'll experience an invasion of his love. Christ comes in and nurtures us towards wholeness and completeness. He enters into the most intimate fellowship with each and every one of us. And that's why I wanted to close with communion today. For us to be able to take this time to kind of reset, renew, reconfigure. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's him who cleanses us. He heals us. He liberates us. He nurtures us. And it's taking time to take communion. So if you want to grab that, I'm talking here. It's taking time to really put him back at the center. That's why we offer communion each and every week. Some people need it just to have that time where they just recenter, refocus, and say thank you for everything that you've given us. There's times that we... Just go through the motions and run and run and run. There are times that we drift from God. And so just taking time to take communion together is a chance for each and every one of us just to recommit, re renew, see where he is. So if you want to open up, where the, open up the bread and take it. This bread represents his body that was broken. It was pierced. He took the brutalness of this world. He broke it, and he did it for each and every one of us. And, um, you know, he, just, he took the bread, and he, he broke it, and he handed it to the disciples and said, take this bread and eat it. Go ahead and eat it. And this cup represents 
His blood. Blood that washes white as snow, that he was pierced for our transgressions, right? This is our chance to commune with him, to um, just give him thanks and remember the price that he paid for each and every one of us. So if you want to, you can take a moment to think, to pray, and then we'll take the cup here in just a second. Father, thank you for dying on that cross for each and every one of us. Thank you for that, that painful time that you spent just to die for each and every one of us. And we thank you for that, Father. So we can have this right relationship with you and that we can see you anew, see you afresh. And Father, we just ask that you'll do something new in each and every one of us. Father, may you renew our commitment to you. May you renew our love for you. May you be our first love. May we not forget that in the midst of everything that we do. May you be our first love. And from that will be the overflow of everything else that we do in our lives that you will just touch lives all around us, that you will guide us. May we continue to focus in on you. May we our prayers be your prayers. May we see what you see. May our hands be your hands. As we're going out these doors and throughout the community and throughout our work and even in our family, Father, may we shine your light. May we point each person back to you. God, may we continue to trust you and to love you more. And Father, may you do something mighty and miraculous in each and every one of our lives. Father, there's people that are hurting. There are people that are broken relationships, loss of loved ones. God, I just lift them up to you. I lift up to you this country too. There's so many people that are hurt, that are broken, that are lost, that are far from you. And so God, as we go from here, I just ask that you help us just to see the people just like you see them. As your sons and your daughters that are loved and cherished by you and they're longing to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. And so God, we say thank you so much for what you're doing in and through each, every one of us. We thank you for Daniel's Vineyard, for this time that's been here. And Father, I just ask that your hand will be upon their staff, that um, the owners as well. God, I just say thank you for them. And may you continue just to be with them as we move on to this next location. And Father, I just ask that this new location will just be a beacon for you that um, people will come for healing, for community, for restoration. God, may we be there to be your hands and feet, to meet those all throughout this community. And may we um, continue just to point them right back to you. So God, we say thank you so much. We're grateful for you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Thank you for being here today. We'll see you guys next week at Geist Montessori Academy. I'll send um, an email out with the address as well as I'll put, we'll put it on social media. Uh, so you'll see that in the next couple of days. Thanks so much. Have a great day.